0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the
1: weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? It's time. It's time.
1: Time Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone with the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. We are Odyssey's 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. I'm Al Sacco with Brian Rennick and Zane Nockby. And we are beyond excited to get a chance to talk with our guest today. She is NFL Network's analytics expert. And you can see her every Sunday on NFL Network's NFL Game Day morning. It's 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern. She is the one and only Cynthia Freeland. Cynthia, thanks so much for the time.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. And thank you for your patience. If you see me look to the side, I want your viewers to know I have this new puppy and I'm becoming this puppy mom and I'm a little crazy about it. So I'm just a little like, where did he go? What's he doing?
3: What's he No,
1: doing worries, at all. no worries at all. <laughs> Cynthia, anytime we have someone who's reached your level in the business, we're always curious about the journey and how you got here. And you have a really interesting background to me, and I want to make sure I get this right. You have your MBA. You worked as a business development manager for Disney ABC TV, a finance analyst for the NFL. You're the first ever analytics expert on an NFL network, and you are all over NFL network. Tell us a little bit about your career and how you got to this point.
2: I'm not really sure is the answer. Um, I you know I went to BC and coming out of undergrad I thought I would be a doctor so I started medical school. It wasn't for me. My sister's a doctor. She's the good one. She's done everything right. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna take a little time off, and then I discovered private equity, which i'm older than a lot of people so you know it was good back then right like it was a good uh, it was a good market for that so i learned a lot about finance and kind of alternative business models and how to value something i had never even like that i'm from a small town in michigan like that had never crossed my mind as a career so i started doing that then i went back to business school and then i also added a master's of predictive analytics where i learned how to code because i was very good at the modeling part for finance so Business models, investment bankers often use financial models. So I was like, well, I can do it even more if I learn how to code. So then I cold emailed the CFO of the NFL at the time. His name is Anthony Noto. He now runs SoFi. Um, and he got, gave me a job for my business school summer. I didn't know what I wanted to do necessarily after. I was a career switcher. That's what, you know, whatever. So was, business school is great for that. Um, started working in the NFL and I started working on a season inventory restructuring project, which was figuring out 16 and four, 17 and three games, you know, 18 and two, what's the optimal configuration for the product, meaning games. And we ended up netting out in 17 and three. Now this was a long time ago, so it has taken a while for it to come to pass, but learning how to make that model, I learned to talk to a lot of the people in the competition committee and they were, you know, coaches and former players that have really like such deep knowledge of the game. And they're like, you know, you want more, you want more teams to be playoff eligible longer, thus more inven- interesting inventory. And you want the quarterbacks to play and the best pass rushers to play. Like, you don't want to be playing with a bunch of backups. You want to be playing with the dudes, you know? So how do you go and take all of this stuff and put it together? And that was where I sort of turned it into sort of more like money ball and a little bit less like true finance, because I thought maybe I would do something in finance for sports, but then it was abstract modeling that I really started doing. Then lockout year, Anthony Noda goes back to Goldman Sachs. And then I went to Disney because another project I worked on was a failed joint venture between ESPN Classic and the NFL Network. This is a long time ago, not anywhere in the, you know, this is 2010. So, you know, go to Disney, work in you know strap planning, do a lot of business more on the business side, entertainment. This is the longest story ever; it's very boring. I hope all of your audience oh, by now. Um, then there's a job that opens up, so I learned kind of more the entertainment side of it. And Disney is a masterful place; like that is a masterful place to work. Like those people are smart. Then a, a role up, a role opened up in innovation. So I was more on the tech side always because of my coding and my ability to make models. Went to Disney, from Disney to ESPN, also Disney, but just more mm-hmm. sports, and then you know, ESPN were working on some like pretty cool tech purchasing things. It's it's boring for this is for another podcast. But um and then all of a sudden Paul D Podesta got hired by the Browns and also like DraftKings and a fan duel were becoming more of a thing and people didn't really understand how this game could be more integrated. They knew there was like something there, but they didn't know exactly where what what was the break point of like where it was interesting. And that's where, you know, then I got started first time on TV was the 6 p.m sports center and then um was terrible I well i was terrible and then you <laughs> know I, I, I went back to learn i was so scared and like i was i was like like so scared and um but it has been really good to like watch yourself as like i'm sure you guys know from doing this like watching yourself back and listening to your voice you're like Ugh. and then you get better right so yeah. i took some improv classes i learned to get the f over myself and took some voice lessons from people who actually know i like kind of approached it like a student. And then, you know, the rest is sort of history. And in 2016, the NFL was like, come back home. Let's like make this thing that you started at ESPN, like come home to us at the NFL. Like this is where you grew up, like come just do it for football. And that was really in- intriguing for me because football is my favorite. And I mean, it's obviously a more, you know, analytics are a little bit less and especially in 2016, less defined in football than they are in other sports like baseball.
0: Well, so I well, I have a c- couple of things uh, from that. Number one, like my day job is as a in software engineering. So nice. I the fact that like you called it that, that that's awesome. I think that's great. We have to talk shop sometime about that. Of course. And the second thing, is, the second thing is, is is moneyball. And like, so you you read the bill, you you read like the book and you've seen the movie and all that stuff, right? Like you're mm-hmm. you're well versed in that. So, you know, when we're talking about like before we even get into the 49ers, when we're talking about like, you know, the league in general and the the reliance on like metrics and things like that, there's there are a lot of offenses and quarterbacks that just aren't like efficient at all. Like they're not, they're just not very good this year. And that doesn't make my fantasy football team very good either. So for me personally, it has been fun. But what do you think's been the, the reason there's been so much ugly football this year, like general around the league and so many inefficiencies?
2: I spent a lot of time researching this. Like I think if you would have told all of us ahead of the season that like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, all were going to struggle all at the same time, we would have been like, Whatever. Um, no. But, you know, now that we're looking back and you're like, OK, well, what's causing this? Number one is, you know, it's this confluence of like there's a lot of big name players who switch teams this season, more so than ever that I've ever studied. So, I mean, maybe back in like the 40s that happened, but I, I can't go back that far. But, you know, there's more big name players, high importance players that have moved teams. That's the first thing. The second thing, you know, we're not now starting to see the net effect of less of the preseason um, training together and the preseason playing, you know, it, at first it, it's like one year. Now, like, now we're kind of in we're we're a steady stream of you know after the the rules were all changed. Number three, we we're seeing a lot of injuries. Perhaps that's tied to number two. I I don't really know. I'm not a doctor, so I don't do that. But a lot of big name players have been at least a little banged up, if not very banged up. We're seeing bad O line play. Like O lines, a lot of O lines have been. The number of O-lines like that are below the average compared to 10 years prior is that number's going way up. Perhaps it's something about what's happening in college that's filtering through to the NFL level. And lastly, we're seeing the most coaches With Okay, I have to say this right, because it's not their age that's young, but they have not been calling plays. So the most people who are responsible for play calling are the least experienced, not the youngest, just the least experienced play callers. You know, it's funny we say that this week, because it was actually even true before whatever happened with the Colts, right? So, you know, but it was even true before that, right? So it's the lack of experience for the play calling. I don't know if that you know, I'm not in the buildings with many teams. I do do some consulting work with teams, but I'm not with every team. I don't know if the like the system and schedule that they're running is different, but I I can tell you that the people who are in charge of the plays they have the least experience that we've seen in at least ten seasons.
3: Yeah, you mean the 30 uh, year old first time play caller uh, for Jeff Saturday's new staff in in Indianapolis is Bizarre. is bringing down the well, <laughs> bringing actually, it down
2: again. Let's be honest. This was actually though. This was before that. You know like like this i was i was looking into this well before that it's a lot of people with a lack of experience in in real you know there's a craft to this like you know a lot of the coaches have you know i, I can tell you a number of gms and coaches who have definitely made me cry by telling me that like i'm ruining football or the analytics is stupid and whatever <laughs> oh. but like i mean phil polian oh come on no i mean we're good now like listen you just got to get through it it's fine it's right a yeah. passage but you know it's like now you're seeing people who like these are people's bodies Like. I don't think you understand, like, do you want Aaron Donald running at you full speed? Like, I know I don't, right? Like, and especially if we don't have like a good plan, we haven't been doing the things like there's a reason that, you know, you have the certain schedule that you have now is everybody's schedule optimized to be exactly right No, but you do have like, there are some things like you may not like Josh McDaniels as a coach or play, you might not think he's the best coach, but nobody ever would ever say that he's not done the work to get there. Right, like you may not like him, or you may not think he's doing an efficient job. Like that's not what I'm saying, but like the buildup and the like the number of hours he's done and put in, and like it every step along the way, and he's had incredible success as an offensive play caller. Like you know, New England, yes, you cannot deny that. So that's what I'm talking. Like it's a very different thing, right? Like not I don't. And I Jeff, I worked with Jeff Saturday. He's a very nice man. It's just very tricky to see how that it just feels the word I'm going to use is dangerous because it's like, yeah. I think about how fast those collisions are on the field. Like, do you want Von Miller coming at you? No. Do you want, I mean, Nick Bosa? No, thank you. Like maybe, <laughs> like maybe uh, if I put on pads, maybe that would be safe for an opposing quarterback. But even so <laughs> I can be very fast at times. I just so have saying, one follow question. I, yeah. It's, I have it's one, a one lack of
3: 10,000 hours. I just want to, is that what you're saying? Like just the lack of, of actual practice.
2: I mean, right? I think all of those things together, right? I think it's all like the Devonte Adams moving, no matter, like, I'm not even talking about for Aaron Rodgers, that impacts the Raiders. Yes, they played in college together, but there was a little bit ago, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not the same as Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. It's been a while, like, so the point is, is it's all of these things together. And you have to remember, like, this is like a really, like, it's like a ballet, like, it, you know, it's all a choreographed dance. And if you're not doing the right thing, like watch, offensive lines against twists this season. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. Like mm-hmm. watch the first thing that comes to mind, number 70 for the Packers. He's a rookie and look, that, that is tough. But a twist, they don't know coming out of college. And now you're protecting Aaron Rodgers when there's no Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari hasn't met. Like that, is, that seems reckless to me.
0: Yeah, I and, and there's one, one thing that you touched on that I do want to actually ask you more about is the perception of analytics kind of like quote unquote ruining the game. And, you know, Alan, I love baseball and Brian does as well. Right. So there's a lot of that sort of thought process by the purists, I guess to say like, Oh, well, analytics has ruined baseball because it's devalued superstars and made them replaceable. And, and it's, it's changed the way how uh, defenders shift uh, on the field and things like that. Do you feel like there's any sort of risk of like analytics kind of having that sort of effect in the NFL, not necessarily making it worse, but just dr- drastically changing the game like that. And, and you know, who knows it could be a positive or negative effect. We don't know, but do you feel like it could get to that point where it's like that heavily relied upon for, for most teams? Cause you, you mentioned that you've been run out of a few buildings, right? Unfortunately, like, and that's, that's really unfortunate, but it just like, to me, it seems like there's a lot of dinosaurs that don't want to hop on board. Right.
2: I think the, there's two things there. The first is the game has to change with the times for a number of reasons but like health and safety is the number one reason and as that becomes more of a focal point and not even just like concussions that we know about but even like soft tissue injuries and you know the, the things that like these like your you want your hips to work later in your life and like play with your kids like right. things like that right like mm-hmm. everybody wants the players to play but everybody also wants the players to be healthy so i think the game has to evolve, like. We're getting bigger and stronger, and like all—I mean, these people are. I was standing. I did Bill sideline for the preseason, just trying out some in-game analytics, and I'm standing next to their right tackle. His name is Spencer Brown. He's out of like Northern Iowa. And this kid's like six eight, and I'm like, we are not the same mm-hmm. species. You know, and they're getting <laughs> bigger and faster, and they're—you know—we're—we're we're becoming. So, so the first thing is, you know. I think the game has to evolve. Like I, I don't know what purists mean. Be, the game has to. It just has to evolve. It, it, it will. So lean into that and figure out who you want to be in that in that environment. I think is my my first thought. My second thought is how whatever. Anal, I don't even know what analytics means anymore for a lot of people because it's like thrown out so much that like I'm not sure what that means because people have been using quality control and data insights that whatever you want to call it. Like you know, like there's a bill belichick had a man sit in a room and tell him like tendencies and map and track things to try to get a leg on their up on their competition you know Procter and gamble does uh data insight research on the next toothpaste you want to buy so like it's really like, it's, it's a different word for like, it's just how you want to, like, if you want to blame something, then you can blame analytics, like fine by me at I, I, whatever. But if you want to try to make good decisions, the point is to acknowledge that like, it's a tool in the tool belt. It's one of the right. factors that goes in. It's how you use it. To me, it's like, you know, whenever you're talking to players about like their data and stuff, it's like, well, my goal is to figure out how you work best, like I want to win football games. Like if you, if I can figure out like that, you do this kind of thing really well, it's not saying you can't do something else. Well, like I'm five foot six, I cannot jump very high. I'm never going to dunk a basketball. I'm never going to do that, but maybe I'm a nasty perimeter shooter. So maybe pair me with someone who can dunk really well. So I have like the right mix and complements of assets, just like Procter and Gamble would go through there. I don't know why I'm stuck on that, but like go through, you know, all the different, like we need some toothpaste. We need this chip we need this whatever like these are our assortments that we want to have because it makes us the most money like i want the most wins so i don't think it's something that's like like what and on broadcast you're like the analytics say and i'm like number one i don't know what the person's internal analytics people are saying for them to do first and two we're in media so if, if we're saying like an average of everyone in this situation you should go for it or not then then present it as such but then say but we know that this Chiefs team is so much more efficient efficient passing than they are running so blah 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 blah. like just say like here's the average and mm. it's it's likely that the Chiefs are above the average on this or you know for for the Niners it's like we know that outside zone rushing like there's something about Kyle Shanahan like he like like puts his finger on a player and they're amazing at it, like whatever it is, right? Like, you know, so you have to recognize like the profile of the Niners offense and the profile of the, of the chiefs offense, that's going to look different. It just, it, it just is. So if you say, okay, the analytics, like our, you know, our media model says that the average would be here, but we're the, we're the Niners and running usually works better again, like whatever, like just editorialize it where it makes sense. Instead of just being like the analytics say, no one liked math class growing up. They're not going to like it now.
3: Yeah, I was going to say that actually leads really well into uh, the next question. And and <clears throat> when we talk about the modern NFL and we talk about efficiency, uh, a lot of what the experts in in analytics, right? And that's a catch all now, right? We just talked about what does that mean? But those that really study the game, we talk about like the Warren Sharps, right? Where they're really, they're really diving down into the data and really kind of parsing it out. And they talk about the relative inefficiency of the running game and how a lot of the modern NFL has shifted more towards, uh, you know, a, a passing league also because the rules are a little bit more lax, but you, you see a team like the 49ers, which is the team that we, that we talk about and, and they've spent so much capital on the running back position including this year with the trade for Christian McCaffrey. And do you feel like there, there has become almost a blind spot in the efficiency metrics for the running game to the point where maybe, maybe the 49ers are starting to exploit that a little bit, or do you, do you genuinely or, or generally believe that it is far more efficient to have a, an excellent passing offense than it is to have an excellent running offense?
2: So I'm going to borrow an adage from business and I'm going to say there's only two sustainable sources of true competitive advantage. The first one is to be the low cost provider. And in this case, that would mean, you know, you get a quarterback that's on a rookie deal. You have a lot of you know, these, these key positions, you're in a good spot, maybe you have a quarterback and a pass rusher on a rookie deal. So then you don't have to be paying these higher profile, higher cost things. Okay. That's one way for an advantage. The other way for an advantage is to develop a niche and to own that niche with every ounce of your being. Right. And that is what I think that the Niners are at least trying. And it seems like pretty successfully doing, and they're creating that niche because, and I would say, if I was talking to Kyle, I'd be like, great. Like, tell me what you want in this running back and tell me where you're willing to sacrifice something else. Meaning you can't have, no one can, we have a cap and a floor. That's the way that our game is played. Right? So if you want to have the excellent runners and you, and you want to pay them this and this is because like, is Christian McCaffrey really a running back? Like, I don't really know. Right? Like, I I don't know what I would call him. Right? So if you want to have that, then you need to, maybe you're overpaying for, you know, or maybe you're underpaying for your second tight end, but you only want him to block. You don't need him to catch pass, et cetera. Like there's trade-offs. So it's really, it's masterfully putting together the trade-offs to make your system and the plays that you want to run have those many of the assets that make that happen. So you have a sustainable niche that differentiates you from your competitors and therefore gives you an advantage. There's only two ways you can win, in my opinion, in business and in football. Nice.
1: Cynthia, I have to. I'm curious your take on the team as a whole because the Niners kind of drive their fan base crazy during the regular season because they're really inconsistent, and this year is no different. They're four and four, but still considered a Super Bowl contender, especially you know in the wide open NFC. Where do you think San Francisco is, and do you think they can make another deep run in the playoffs this year, based on what you've seen?
2: I do. I actually, I mean the head of the season even with some questions at quarterback, you know, this, they were, I had them as a wild card, not winning the division. So I got that one wrong, but I think they'll win the division. You know, I'm going to be honest. I think in the NFC in general, there's a lot of, I mean, this one could be one of those weird, like we could have the version of the Cincinnati Bengals from last season, make it for the NFC this season. Cause like, who knows who's even good in the NFC? Like, what are we even looking at? Right. So even if the Niners and the Niners bucks, maybe the, like, I feel confident saying both of those teams have some things that I think are good because even though I've seen some weird play from the Bucs and they're tied with the Falcons for the whatever. So there's a lot of question marks and I know the Eagles are very good. But the point is, is, you know, it's very interesting to see the difference between, you know, what you think of in like about the AFC where like the Bills and the Chiefs, like you feel like, okay, like both of those teams are probably – 1A, 1B, right? So when I'm looking to see the situation for the for the Niners, like this feels like a very good Niners team that, you know, the only time I saw them play poorly was when like the entire defense wasn't playing. And this mm-hmm. feels like, like and I kind of like, I love to fake hate that like Kyle, like he doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't give us anything, right? Like he says the funniest mm-hmm. stuff, like we don't even know if we're going to be here Sunday. Like, uh, okay, well, <laughs> true. We don't, but you know, let's hope we're here Sunday. Right. Like, so, you know, it's, 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 it feels very much like a, this feels like a very Niners-y, like I will see you in Glendale situation.
1: And then before we finish up, you're involved with the non-for-profit Bright Pink. Can you tell us a little bit about
2: about that? that? Yeah. So I think that the best thing anyone can do, especially like, you know, we, we all know early prevention, detection, cancer, it is a massive, massive deal. I have a a firsthand experience and bright pink is actually focused on women's health. So breast and ovarian cancer, early detection, screening, and education. It's not about like anything else It's about taking some responsibility and owning your ability to know about your risks, your risk factors, what you can do and how you can help yourself through education. So it's a great, and you know, they pair you with mentors and there's a lot of really wonderful ways to kind of, especially if anyone, and how many of us don't know someone who's had to deal with some fallout from one of those two cancers, you know, it really helps families support the whole thing. It's all about education. It's, there's no, you know, it's, here's your resources. You can learn about this. You can make your own decisions in anything you want to do.
1: Cynthia, you are the best. We are huge fans and we cannot thank you enough for the <laughs> I time. I like,
2: like just talked for like the entire time. I'm, the, I'm sorry. I'm like, <laughs> would you like to That's why we had you, you like, on. Awesome. I know. awesome. I so much So, And I mean the well. dog, I feel like you have to see him. He's now upside down. Look at him.
3: Yes. He's, he's oh, yes. Gordy. Wow, so cute. He
2: kind of makes out with lamb chop. We need to have to talk about that later. But, <laughs> hey. you know, whatever.
3: He's young. He's young.
2: He's just young. No you know?
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah, th- thank you very much. Yeah. Awesome. Day. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you. Have a good Bye. one. Yeah,
2: thank you so much for thank having you. me. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.